0: Uh, the anxiety and the hangovers were really killing me. I, I was, I, I was, I was having kind of feelings of dread every day. I, I would get the train to work in Manchester. Literally, um, I would be willing that train to come off the tracks um, just so that I didn't have to go into the office that day. It got to the point where um, I, I was, I was dreading, I was hating going to work, um, and I was quite lucky in that I've always had a good career. But I think I've only just managed to to hang in there. Really, I think I was, I think I was really getting to the point where I was taking the piss. Um, and and after drinking, after quitting drinking, um, I feel like I was able to really forge um, a career where um, I enjoy going to work. I enjoy being around the people that I work with. I enjoy my my job, and the whole mindset that I had um, previously has completely changed. Um, and yes, it's probably a mental health health thing, really if you want to do well in your career, I think that you need to stop drinking, you know, to be blunt, because you need to be on the ball all the time and you need to be thinking straight, you need to be clear headed
1: and well rested. Welcome to the Tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober or just plain sober curious, you need a Tribe. You need a Tribe because it's so hard to do this alone.
2: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober podcast. My name is Janet Goron. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Here at Tribe Sober, we help people to change their relationship with alcohol and then go on to actually thrive in their alcohol-free lives rather than just survive and feel as if they're missing out. Over the last six years, we've helped hundreds of people to do just that. And we created Tribe Sober because we believe it's really, really hard to change your drinking habits alone. So at Tribe Sober, we're all about community. Each week, we feature a community voice just to give you a flavor of the awesomeness of our tribe. Here's a lady from one of our Slack groups.
1: all, just wanted to give a quick update. Last night I went out with some friends for the first time in a long time alcohol free and I didn't even crave a drink, not at all. It didn't enter my mind, wasn't thinking about it, I wasn't even worried about it and I had attended Janet's uh, wonderful workshop earlier that day with the amazing Lynette, Lucy and Nick and all the information was so fresh in my mind, I thought, like, oh, no, I don't want that poison in my body. Are you crazy? So I hope it's not too soon to, to say this, but I'm really starting to feel that my mind is changing how it views alcohol. And this is definitely a step in the right direction.
2: The joy of Tribe Sober is that we all understand each other. We've been through the same struggle. And whether we've come out the other side or we're still doing the work, we always support and encourage each other just go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe. Now, I started drinking in my teens because I thought it was all a bit edgy and rebellious. Well, if being rebellious means going against the flow, then these days living alcohol-free is definitely an act of rebellion. Going alcohol-free in today's alcohol-drenched world takes courage and confidence. So how about we get a bit smart? How about we unplug from the matrix? Drinking is now the norm, so we have to learn to be a rebel, not a sheep. My guest this week is John Turner. He's the founder of SoberPunks. He's a musician, a blogger, and he's busy helping others to ditch the drink. He shares his personal recovery story and explains how he feels that not drinking is not only rebellious, but it's positively punk. I began by asking John to introduce himself.
0: I live in the UK. Um, I I started uh, Sober Punks probably, yeah, five years ago now, uh, which was one year after I quit drinking. Got a pretty normal, boring job. I'm a a project manager, so that's kind of my my usual day job. Outside of that, There's obviously the the Sober Punks is one of the passions of mine. And I also record and perform live music as well. So that keeps me busy. Um, Obviously, with COVID, not being able to do a lot of that. But we've got a tour that's starting in a couple of weeks, in fact, uh, a 20-day UK tour. So looking forward to that. Um, So that's the kind of stuff that keeps me busy. So what's
2: your band called then?
0: It's called uh, Petrol Bastard. So I I always wondered why we didn't get any radio play, but it's probably quite obvious now I think about it.
2: So let's let's delve back into the drinking days, shall we? Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I've got a feeling you started drinking quite young and took it up with great enthusiasm. Yeah. When did probably, you have your first drink? I think probably around
0: fourteen or fifteen years old. I imagine so. Not not as young as some, mm-hmm. but um, uh, yeah, it was a lot of. I think it was a lot of cans of beer that I stole from a party that my parents were having, and took it down to the train tracks with my friends. Um, and we all got drunk. I think that was probably the first time. Um, but for some reason, for me, it seemed to, the habit seemed to stick a lot more than it did with my friends. And I've never really understood the reasons for that. And I've often wondered what the reasons are for that. But for me, um, the kind of escapism that alcohol brought was just always something that I kind of latched onto. Um, and when we got into kind of 17, 18 years old, um, I was always the one who was the drunkest and always the one who was pushing for shots and let's drink more. Um, Yeah, and I don't know if it's, some people say it's genetic, don't they? Some people say it's things that happened, trauma in childhood.
2: there's also uh, a theory that some of us, I mean, I also loved the drinking thing, uh, that some of us get more of a buzz from it than others. You know, the fact that you were with a group and you all had the same drinks and you, you know, couldn't wait to have more and you went on drinking. It's uh, it's something to do with the dopamine. You know, the pleasure that some of us feel from drinking is more intense than other people who end up being able to take it or leave it. So I only learned that recently and I thought it was quite interesting. It was a doctor that me that as well so yeah so there you were a teenager drinking were you worried about your drinking or just having a ball really no I
0: wasn't worried at all Um, in fact I I really kind of threw (laughs) myself into it um uh, you know and in hindsight it was ridiculous because I was doing daft things and I I think I ruined a few good relationships both romantic and and friendships as well um through Doing silly things when I was drunk, but I never really worried about it because the one thing that you could always go back to to deal with the fact that you felt like you'd ruined something was just to drink more, and that helped to um, alleviate those kind of feelings of, of of worry or anxiety about what you've what you've done. So I was I kind of see it as a kind of a constant upwards spiral. You know, you the, the drink might cause problems, but you drink to get rid of the problems. So it was almost like the drinking was always the solution for a long time and i think yeah, yeah, was a
2: vicious cycle isn't it
0: yeah but it did it felt like at the time rather than it being a downwards um spiral it was an upward spiral it was it was drink more to <laughs> to forget more of the bad things then enjoy more of the good things it, you know drinking meant more partying and having more fun and i think that went on as an upwards spiral until probably around 25 years old um, and at that point i started probably a 10-year Campaign to try and quit drinking uh, unsuccessfully for 10 years um where i would make yeah. conscious decisions to try and have a week off drinking or to um drink less or to change what i was drinking to i'll stop drinking uh, beer and the rules we call
2: it the rules yeah yeah just constantly <laughs> we'll things, it, thinking this
0: will fix it yeah
2: you did 10 years of that. Yeah, me too, actually, because I, mm. I couldn't imagine life without alcohol. So I thought I'm going to just control this and then I'll never have to give up completely. And and like you, a whole decade <laughs> and it's exhausting. And I read a study recently um, that some it was some sobriety group. They'd interviewed tw- 250 people in recovery and they said, how long was it uh, from when you realised there was an issue, to you reached out and got some help or, or did something about it, and the average time is eleven and a half years. Really, that's so interesting. I was amazed at that to start with. Yeah, yeah. And then I thought, well, yeah, actually, I was like that because all this moderation crap, you know, all the rules and all that, it's what you're doing is you're trying to to manage it, really, which once you've crossed a line with your drinking, I think it's impossible. I, I it is an addictive agree. drug after all. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it, it is.
0: And moderation, I've never really seen moderation work with anybody who's had no. a drinking problem. It, it, never, it never seems to work. It ends no. in it ends in death or, um, or or finally accepting that abstinence is the only only real way. And, and in that 10 years, I mean, I tried, I attended AA. It didn't work for me. I, I went to my doctors and she was absolutely useless. She just gave me some telephone numbers. And she said, have you tried drinking less? That was her advice.
2: <laughs> yeah, well. So I thought this isn't going to work. Brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, that just shows that she knew absolutely nothing about the issue, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so the rules. I also went to AA and I thought, because uh, when I went to AA, uh, there were some quite hardcore people there, you know, drinking in the morning and all that. And I looked at them and I thought, I'm not really like them. <laughs> <laughs> so you then convince yourself that you're not that bad, don't you? And you, you there you go again. Absolutely. So 25 to 35, uh, you were moderating mm-hmm. because have you noticed this, john that people that can moderate they just do it they don't join a group or get advice how to how to drink sensibly <laughs> it's just natural to them the very fact that you're whereas people exactly. like us that try what we're trying to do is we're trying to control aren't we we're trying to control it it's nothing to do with moderation
0: absolutely and i think the very fact that you might be on a website looking for advice on how to moderate your drinking is in itself a red flag Because people who don't have this problem don't need to to look for advice um, on this. Yeah. And and, uh, I don't know about about your experience, but for me, if I was going to go out for a meal and I would be driving and I could have one drink, I I wouldn't. Because for me, there was never any point having one drink. I'd I'd probably choose to have, no, no, I'd just have a a diet Coke rather than one beer. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was
2: a a very. um, Because we're after the buzzes. Nothing to do with the taste, really, is it?
0: Absolutely, yeah. I think I've always had a very all-or-nothing mentality, not not just in drinking, but yeah, yeah. But in life in general. Yeah, and, and a lot everything. of the um, yeah, yeah, and a lot of the drinkers that I've met through um, sober punks um, share that mentality. And actually, I think it's what makes them fantastic yeah. people because it means that when they commit to doing yeah. something, whether it's learning. Um, a new skill or get involved with a sport or you know starting marathon running whatever they do because they've got that mentality they do it to the best of their ability and they do it well um there's one guy uh, a really nice lad um called dean who's a member of um sober punks and he he essentially swapped his drinking for running and before you know it he was doing half marathons then marathons and now every weekend literally every weekend he's out somewhere in the country doing ultra marathons. Um, and again, I think that's, that's yeah. the, um, that's the all or nothing with, within him that that, that kind of yeah. forces him to to yeah. go to those distances. So really interesting. And something that I actually love about people who who are recovering alcoholics or, or people who are trying to stop drinking is that yeah. they have this, this real commitment to whatever they do.
2: Yeah. 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 I was interviewing a doctor the other day who works in recovery Uh, She works in a rehab and she said that she loves her work because the people in recovery, they tend to be all or nothing. So she puts them on the path to recovery, tells them, you know, what exercise they need to do, what they need to eat. And they just go for it, you know. So just as we went for it with the drinking, we tend to go for it, you know, afterwards. And we we always say that we... uh, we help people to quit drinking. That's the first thing, and then to go on and thrive in their alcohol-free lives. And that and that attitude helps people to thrive and discover other things. Because there's so much time on your hands when you stop drinking. Did you absolutely that? there
0: is yeah time money that you're not spending any more um, yeah yeah better sleep and better skin and all the rest energy. of energy yeah. energy the whole thing better
2: creativity. Better
0: yeah, yeah. If you could put it in yeah, a pill and sell it, yeah. you'd be a billionaire, wouldn't you?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and the fact that we all, uh, you know, try to be healthy, we eat organic, gluten free, do our yoga, do the exercise, and then we drink a bottle of wine every night. I mean, that's, that's a bit uh, <laughs> screwed up as well, isn't it? Absolutely. Just incongruous. So you had these they had this decade of moderation like like most of us and then what happened how do how did you make it stick? It well cuz I'm presuming you got sober at the age of about 35.
0: Exactly 35. Yes, that's right. It, it was actually um, yeah. the, it, it was at that point I met my uh, my then wife. So um when i met her i was playing lots of live shows with my band um, petrol bastard I, and, and as part of that lifestyle every weekend we were drinking lots and lots um, and i met my wife she also performed in a in a in a band and that's how we met um, and we're, we we we're, we're no longer married now but but at the time she said to me that she didn't like who i became when i drank and that actually really helped me to know that because i was I, i'd spent 10 years looking for a good reason not to drink something that would really really um give me that 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 shove that i needed and she said to me right at the start of our relationship she said you know i love being with you um we have loads of fun but when you drink i don't love the person that you become and and it got to a point where it was either you change you change those ways or we don't continue our relationship and that really helped. That gave me the push that I needed to to stop drinking. Um, and from that point, I never drank again. And I actually moved. I was probably quite lucky in, in some regards because we were doing a long-distance relationship. So she lived 150 miles away. And it was similar to the time that I stopped drinking that I also decided to move to be with her. And the benefit, of that, the benefit of that was that I left behind all of my old drinking haunts, all of the clubs and pubs I used to go to, all of the people I used to drink with. Yeah. And I think I was lucky in that respect because a lot of people try to quit drinking, but their surroundings and their environment is the same. And so those habits are so hard to break. I was able to walk away from all of that. I started a new life with a new job. I moved into a new flat with um, my girlfriend who then became my wife. And so it was so much easier to break those habits for me. I know that not everybody is lucky enough yeah. to be able to do yeah. that. But for me, it, it really worked. And and even now, even though my, I mean, my relationship only broke down last, last year, um, there's not a single chance that I would ever look back to drinking. You know, I, I never looked at drinking to deal with a divorce. I would never go back to drinking because even though she got me on the path to, she gave me the uh, the catalyst to stop drinking. Once I was on that path, I was on that for my own reasons. And I, I was reaping these benefits yeah. of not drinking. Um, I wasn't doing it for her. I was doing it for me. Yeah,
2: yeah. I was and thinking that when you said, you know, that she put a little bit of pressure because normally, you know, we say, well, you know, you you have to want to do it for yourself. But I love the way that she gave you. It's a catalyst, as you say. But then you personally started reaping the benefits of sobriety, and you thought, well, you know, this is worthwhile. This was something worth yeah. doing.
0: People say that kind of going through a divorce is one of the hardest things that you can go through, and and if you are going to drink, then that's probably the time that you're gonna you're gonna do it. Um, if you know, if you are a recovering um, alcoholic, I'm just kind of I'm proud of the fact that that not once throughout my divorce have I ever thought I want to pick up a drink because I know through and through that that would be the worst decision I could make because it would take a a horrible situation yeah. and it would make it worse. I can't think of yeah. a single a single benefit to picking up an alcoholic drink when you when you're going through a divorce. So and, and that for me was it just proved to myself um, that I've yeah, come a yeah. long long way. Um, from those days when I was drinking to oblivion to try and cope with with issues, um, and so yeah, it's something to be yeah, proud of. Yeah. Actually, it
2: just shows how just shows how solid your sobriety is, and uh, and you should be proud. Well done. How long were you sober when you got divorced? You know, well, from only... your sobriety date to the divorce date. Oh well, well,
0: if, well, if if actually the divorce isn't final, it's gonna it's gonna be final in um, probably a few weeks time now. So I'm right, I'm right at the end of it. So. The kind of marriage broke down, Christmas just gone. And so I was probably five and a half years sober at the time that the marriage broke okay. down. Um, yeah. So, right. you know, and in that yeah. in that time, I'd really, you know, you go through your first year or two when everything's a little bit strange. Year yeah. one is obviously the hardest because you, you do your first sober wedding and birthday and holiday okay, and, and all of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, by the time all of this hit, um, I was very kind of steadfast and sturdy in my sobriety.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm about the same uh, number of years sober, and, and I can't imagine, you know, anything that would send me back. Because what do they say? It only makes the, there's no problem that alcohol won't make worse. <laughs> <I> totally <laughs> agree. One. Yeah, so absolutely it's so agree. true. Because yeah. you have to deal, you have to carry on dealing with the problem and the headache and all the uh, yeah.
0: the money that you probably spent. You should anxiety spend, the anxiety, the whole lot. Yeah.
2: So when you decided for your your partner that that you were going to to do it. How did you go about it? What what kind of tools did you use? That you, I, I like the geographical reset idea. I mean, I've heard that before. I came across a guy that moved uh, all the way from New Zealand to Germany <laughs> to, wow. to do exactly that. He wanted to leave all of his mates, all of the environment, went to Germany, made new friends, got a new job, and never drank again. And he was you know, a serious, serious uh, drinker. So it, it works, that fresh start. But a- anything else, any other tips?
1: You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober.
0: Absolutely, yeah. The one thing that I always tell people who come to me for advice um, is um, to play the tape forward, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Yeah, it, th- th- for me, yeah. that's been the most powerful thing. Um, you know, you just, I think, I can't, I can't even think of a worse feeling than waking up hungover after a one two-day three-day session drinking and that feeling of absolute anxiety and despair and your mouth is cracking because it's so dry i only have to think about that for a second to to remind myself why it's not worth picking up that first drink and for me that was if i ever in that first year or two needed um, a reason to not drink that was the that was the tool i always always used
2: Yeah. Yeah, me too. I used to think, because I'd be longing just for one glass of wine and then I think, okay, well, I'll have that one glass and then I'll want another one and then I'll finish the bottle and then I'll go out and get another bottle and then I'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning in despair and then I'll wake up the next day and think, no. So you can talk yourself out of it, can't you? By playing the movie forward as we say. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great tool. Awesome. So talk to me about your blog. I'm working my way through it. I've just started it, but it's fun. <laughs> Have you uh, always liked writing?
0: To be honest with you, I've always been quite creative. I think, but um, but writing. Yeah. Well, um, you
2: must be if you're a musician.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but but um, but but writing. I mean, you'll probably see when I go back and I read the first few first 10 or 15 of those blogs that I wrote I do cringe a little bit because I feel like it took me a while to uh to hone my my own to find my own writing voice so when I when I read those early ones I think oh dear that I'm I'm not that happy with them but you know that was who I was then so it's fine fine. um but yeah I mean I started the blog one year into my sobriety um so what what happened was I, I hit the one year milestone and and I thought wow, it feels like I need to do something to celebrate this. But also, I couldn't quite believe that I'd finally managed a year sober. Uh, and it felt like I needed to share the experience, as a lot of people do. Um, I felt like I needed to share the experience um, just as a way of, um, of kind of putting putting it down and, and making it um, something that I was committed to. So I felt I felt that by sharing it, I was also going to be safeguarding the future of my sobriety as well. Keep me on the on the straight and narrow. Yeah. So I started it, I think, I, I stopped drinking in September 2015. I think I started the blog in September 2016. And then from there, I think I probably wrote for, for maybe three or four years, I think, quite solidly. I, I wrote around 90 blogs. Um, and in that time, gathered a lot of readers. I was actually really surprised because it, even though I put the blog out there, I didn't do much in the way of marketing it. Um, it was it was just really there for me. Yeah, but it, gathered a, it gathered a it's good a few a record, thousand, isn't it? Yeah, that's the it. something to look back on. But it gathered a good few yeah. thousand readers over that time. Um, but then I reached a point after writing about ninety blogs ar- ar- around the same subject. There was nothing else I could say, really. And the blog's still out there. The blog's still, and it always will be. And the blog still gets probably between one and two hundred readers a-, a day. So it still does quite well.
2: But I don't really write. And so you get lots of comments. Uh, do you engage with people on that blog?
0: Yeah. So I get, I get a few comments on the blog, but more than that, I get messages through the website through, through, so the blog is obviously right. soberpunks.co.uk and you can, you can message um, me through that. So I get messages from people saying, you know, that the blogs help them to quit drinking and just saying thank you or asking for some specific advice. It could be somebody who says my, my husband's a big drinker and I wondered if you could talk to me about how to deal with that. I had one, I had a really nice, a couple of years ago now, a really nice example. Um, a guy who got in touch and said that he had lost his job through drinking and his wife kicked him out. And that meant that he he, he had a newborn son as well, who he, he couldn't see because his wife had kicked him out and she didn't want him seeing the kid. Um, and he got in touch um, and I ended up speaking to him online a little bit. And I gave him my phone number and I said, look, if I can be of assistance at any time you think you're going to drink, just give me a call. Um, and we did that for a few weeks and we, we spoke. Every now and then my phone would ring and we, we'd have a good chat. Um, and then he went quiet and I didn't hear from, from him for a while. And around six months later, he got in touch to say that he'd he'd managed to find another job. I think he was working as a baker and his wife, he'd reconciled with his wife and he's, he'd moved back into the family home. And he was now able to spend every night with his child. And And he'd kind of put it all down to the fact that he'd read the blog, and he'd, 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 he'd come to understand that a quite a normal person, a normal bloke, could conquer the, the, these problems and things like that. It's a little bit mind blowing to hear it because
2: oh, no, you you changed his life. Yeah, but I, I mean, it, just it by never, giving him you know a little bit of your time.
0: That's it, and I never kind of set out with that as the. Um, as the goal um it, it was it was never a it's It's just a really good side effect but what happened was yeah. that when I realized that it was helping people and that I was coming to the end of writing because I couldn't write any more about that subject I then stopped writing the blog but I set up a private Facebook group which is still going strong now and that's called Soberpunks Gang okay. so I set that up right. two years ago and in the two years since it set up we're just about to hit about 5,000 members um so it's growing at, at quite a rate. Yeah, it's it's really yeah. good, and and the way that that works is that I really try and encourage people to support each other um, on, on on the on the private yeah. page, and it's become it's, it's kind of gone worldwide. We have a lot of American members, a lot in Australia, mm-hmm. and something fantastic about it is that um, members have started setting up meetings as well. So I'll hear about soberpunks meeting happening in America, which is fantastic because it, <laughs> it started out with this little idea and suddenly, yeah. so so it's kind of taken on a life of its own, and and I'm I'm really keen that. Yeah. the members are empowered to reach out to each other do their own thing one thing that I don't want to be is to be seen as the person at the top of the tree who steers it the guru yeah, yeah. it's not really yeah. me I want I want it to be uh, very organic I want people to support each other yeah. and and I feel very lucky to have a really good moderation team which are people that I met through soberpunks who've um, who've offered help and and who've been really really good to have by my side when we're when we're kind of uh, trying to keep it a safe space for people to post because i'm sure you've come across this way you will get people who join for the wrong reasons and although we're quite reluctant they want to sell something yeah exactly that because we're we're quite reluctant to to, to kick kick people out of there. So we do give people the benefit of the doubt um uh, you know and if somebody posts something stupid that you know they don't agree with a certain method of of quitting drinking then generally the um the community will just let it all sink off to the bottom of the page and they won't comment on it so it's quite good at um Allowing the crowd to decide what stays yes. and what goes, yeah, which I yeah, quite like.
2: we we find that in our communities as well. They almost self-regulate, don't they? And yeah, uh, exactly that. Know, if yeah. people are being difficult, the others kind of either cold shoulder them or nobody joins in, so they, they get the message. That's it. I, I was I wanted to pick pick up on. Uh, you said that you were asked sometimes about um how to help somebody whose partner was drinking. Was it um. Yeah, a lady asking you what can i do with my husband and he's drinking too much and i get that all the time so mm-hmm. i just wondered what your advice is
0: i've had one of these quite quite recently and um i mean the first thing i always tell them is that any advice i give them I mean, i'm not a doctor i'm not a health professional you know i'm, I'm a essentially i'm a i'm a i'm a A blog writer who writes about his own experience so you know so i I always try and push the whole kind of if you can get them to see a doctor or get them to even attend something like aa aa didn't work for me but it works for a lot of people um so there are other exactly
2: exactly yeah
0: but one thing i also do tell people and it's it's probably tough love to some degree but if you've got if somebody's got a partner that that just won't stop drinking no matter how many times they've been asked to stop i do tend to try and push home the fact that you shouldn't ever get somebody really to drink if they're not ready to stop, to stop drinking, sorry, if they're not ready to stop because they need, if they're just doing it for you, then it's not really going to work. They have to be in a position where they realize that they have to stop. They have to want to stop, I think, for it to be successful. And if you tell them to stop drinking and they don't want to, as was this case, actually, that was quite recent, um, they just keep going back to it. And And my advice yeah. there has been, sometimes has been, look, you have to accept that this is who they are and they may never stop drinking because they may never want to stop so you as the partner needs to really decide if that's the life life that you want you know and and sometimes it's about protecting yourself and walking away from from a problem I think
2: yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. I mean I was on the receiving end of, of somebody telling me to stop drinking you know my husband for quite a long time and and I just wasn't interested in it. It made me worse, really. It made me quite rebellious. You know, I didn't want to be told what to do, et cetera. And eventually I did stop, obviously, but only because, you know, I was ready and I was, I was frightened because I was getting such, you know, health problems and blackouts. I finally realized, but I did it because I was, I was ready to do it. I love your story in that you, uh, you did it for someone else to start with, but Gradually, you realise that uh, you were doing it for yourself, and that there were so many benefits to yourself that um, you know you'd never go back now.
0: Yeah, but I, but I think the difference there compared to the the story of somebody coming to me about their partner is that I had spent ten years at that point trying to quit. So yes, um, yes. So when she asks me to stop drinking, well, she didn't. She never asked me to stop. She just told me that if I carried on drinking she couldn't be with me yeah subtle differences but but she never asked me to stop um but because i'd Mm. i'd been trying for 10 years yeah for me um you know it wasn't like i was open to it i was i was open to it straight away i was like yes i need i need this catalyst i need a reason to stop and this is it it worked really well for me yeah
2: yeah because the, the turning point for me was when I actually accepted that I couldn't have anything to drink because, you know, I was clinging on to this idea of being able to to moderate for so long. And did you have a moment like that? Did you realise that that's it, I can't have anything anymore? Um, because I, th- I, think it, I think it gets better when you accept that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that happened as, as part of the kind of 10 years, really. So that was towards the end of that. Um, there were... There were times when I would, um, especially with my, um, my then partner who, who I, who I kind of chose to stop, stop drinking for, I think, um, before the point where I decided to stop, 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 um, there were nights when we would say, let's have a night in and watch a movie and I'll go and get some beers from the shop. And she would say, okay, but maybe just get a couple of cans and that's all you need. Um. And it would always, always end up with me saying, I'm going to go out and get some some more. And she'd say, why do you need any more? You've had two, three cans, whatever you've had. Why do you need more cans of beer? And I'd be like, I just want, I just want more beer. Okay, I, it ended up in an argument. I just want more beer. But why? What's, why do you need to drink more? Um, and, and it became quite clear that, yeah, that, that moderation w- wouldn't work for me. I tried and tried and tried and it wouldn't yeah, work. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Because normal drinkers, you know, like this lady and, and my husband, they, they don't understand. What, my, mine used to say to me... Uh, it, can't you just have two glasses of wine when we go out this evening? <laughs> you don't have to have six, you know. And the, <laughs> they just don't get it, do they? And no. I think that's why it's so lovely to be in a community, you know, whether it's sober punks or or tribe sober, because instantly everybody understands you and we're all speaking the same language. And that's it's such a relief for people because it's it fantastic. can be a very lonely journey, you know, for it people really that and, see their uh, other friends drinking normally. Such yeah, a relief to realize there's nothing really wrong with you. It's just the way society is set up, and alcohol is an addictive substance.
1: You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com.
0: So, so when you mentioned community we, uh, mm-hmm. quite recently there was a um we had a sober punks meet that was arranged up in sheffield which is near where i used to live i'm, I'm mm-hmm. kind of nearer to london now but i um i used to live up in, in yorkshire so um so i decided to go along and there was probably 10 or 12 people um and we went out for some food and we the, the bar sold this big range of alcohol-free beers um and and having this sense of community having all of these people sat at this table. Um, I, I think I think we were probably the rowdiest table in the whole in the whole bar in yeah. the whole place. Yeah. We were having yeah. a great time. It was amazing to meet other people. There's no awkwardness. There is um, there's just support um, no. for each other. Um, yeah. and, and as I said earlier, I do think that people who've been through some form of addiction and um, and and beaten it are some of the best people I've ever met. They've been to the brink. You know, they've 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 stared into the abyss yeah, yeah. and. And it's made them stronger for it. Um, and yeah, the, some of the stories that you hear and the, the types of people that you kind of come across um, is fantastic. Um, it feels like they have a life that, yeah. that goes to the extreme peaks and the extreme lows. And they've seen everything. They've seen life through all these different lenses. And I, th- yeah. I think somebody who's never done that yeah. and has, had, has led a very, maybe yeah. very, what you'd call beige or vanilla life, um, they don't quite have the, um, the life experience that, that people who've Who've been through addiction have got, and and it means that maybe they don't exactly. actually have okay. they don't have the level of um, appreciation for 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 a healthy lifestyle that somebody who's not been through addiction has, and that for me that makes them a fantastic person, uh, and I love that I love meeting yeah. people who've been through it and they've come out the other side.
2: Yeah, oh, I absolutely agree. I mean, Russell Brand says that. I'm sure you know about Russell Brand. And he said, um, he said people that have been addicted, you know, whether it's heroin or booze or whatever, it's almost like they've been pushed to the wall, you know, and they've had to, to reinvent themselves and really understand themselves and put themselves together again. And that's what we've all had to go through to some extent. And it yeah. does create a bond, an instant bond when you meet other people in recovery. It
0: really uh, does. It's, yeah, it's so um, true.
2: Yeah, it's beautiful. So talk to me about the benefits if you were trying to convince someone that you know was really enjoying their drinking and they couldn't imagine life without alcohol but they knew they had a problem what would you say to them how would you convince them that it, it's worth giving it a try?
0: Um, I think it would depend firstly on on that person because um, the if I, if I was to talk about the benefits that I've that I've seen um, one of the one of the things that was really upsetting me towards the end of my drinking was that i felt like i was getting quite out of shape i was getting quite overweight um and um once i quit drinking um I, not only had i stopped putting all of these empty calories into my body but i i also had all this new energy so i started getting fit um so for me um, one of the great benefits. So, if I was talking to somebody who was struggling with weight loss and they're a big drinker, that was that would be exactly what I'd focus on. I'd say, if you want to lose that weight, quit drinking, start exercising. Yeah. You know, quit drinking, start running seems to be just the, the perfect combination for losing weight. Um, uh, other things are obviously the, the financial benefits. Um, I mean, the amount of money that you can save. Um, you know, I was able to after quitting drinking, uh, I was able to buy uh, a house. You know, get my first kind of mortgage. Um, so that was fantastic. Another big thing, which um, which really worked for me certainly, was that in my working in my career, uh, the anxiety and the hangovers were really killing me. I, I was, I, I was, I was having kind of feelings of dread every day. I would get the train to work in Manchester. Literally, um, I would be willing that train to come off the tracks. Um, just so that I didn't have to go into the office that day, it got to the point where um, I, I was I was dreading I was hating going to work, um, and I was quite lucky in that I've always had a good career, but I think I've only just managed to to hang in there. Really, I think I was I think I was really getting to the point where I was taking the piss, um, and and after drinking after quitting drinking, um, I feel like I was able to really forge um, a career where. Um, I enjoy going to work. I enjoy being around the people that I work with. I enjoy my my job. And the whole mindset that I had um, previously has completely changed. Um, and yes, it's probably a mental health, health thing, really. If you want to do well in your career, I think that you need to stop drinking, you know, to be blunt, because yeah. you need to be on the ball all the time and you need to be thinking straight. You need to be clear-headed and well-rested.
2: We're never going to reach our potential in anything if, if we're drinking too much, are we? Because it just, um, it saps your motivation for a start to, to do anything well. I agree.
0: I agree. Another thing I would also probably mention um, is um, your personal relationships, I think. Um, you, you can be so much more present when you are not drinking. Um, and, and also um, your um, kind of sex life sober sex what an amazing thing it's a it was a revelation to me if I'm completely honest um how amazing how deep a connection you can have with your partner um when you go through this whole bonding experience um sober and you're completely aware for me you know stumbling in from the pubs, thinking of booze uh, after eating a kebab or something and then trying to be romantic you know and i'm wondering why it didn't feel very romantic you know and now i know i know absolutely why it didn't feel romantic and and so that was an an absolute revelation to me that you can be you can form so much um better closer bonds with people um when you're completely sober and and present for, for all of this
2: yeah 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 because when when we drink we kind of we're trying to opt out of being present, really, aren't we? You know, we're numbing ourselves and removing ourselves from the moment. So that's why things like yoga and mindfulness, you know, are, are so good, because it brings us back to what's happening that moment. We shouldn't have to escape all the time. Yeah, and completely. and I've learned, I mean, when, when I used to, f- when I was drinking and I used to feel a bit miserable, I think, oh, you know, I need to open a bottle of wine, cheer myself up a bit and because I, I needed to chase those negative feelings away but now that i've been sober for six years i if and if i feel a bit down i feel a bit down you know and i i know that the next day i'll, I'll be fine again i've learned to sit with my emotions and i think that's that's a big benefit as well yes yeah. too, we learn how to get comfortable with being uncomfortable
0: <laughs> we really do and you know that's something that i've learned over the last year probably more than ever as well partly because of the um um sobriety but 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 because of the the fact you know i've been through this divorce uh, and having to deal with that sober um, learning to sit with my uh, emotions and, and learn that it's okay to get upset and okay to to feel angry or you know go through all these emotions has been really cathartic actually and um i think it's um it, it's something it, it was it was a bit of an eye-opener for me um to to to, to realize that it was okay to feel these these feelings um and I think it's part of the healing process as well. So, you know, I would say to anybody who's going through a hard yeah. time, no matter what that is, whether it's the, the, death of, the death of somebody or you've lost your job or you're going through a breakup or whatever, whatever it is, um, yeah, learning that it's okay to have the, these negative thoughts and to, to sit with them um, and to do it all in a sober state of mind. is So powerful. So powerful.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because our emotional development, it kind of stalls when we start drinking, apparently. If we start drinking at quite an early age, we we never really go through our emotions. We don't learn how to deal with them, so we don't grow emotionally. So that's why, um, you know, even for someone like me that, you know, was drinking for decades, when I got sober, I had to learn things like sober small talk, you know, and, and just basic little things that most people learn, you know, when they're 20 something. So it's, um, it's it's quite is, isn't it? interesting because that's how we grow. You know, it's, it, is, it stops just yeah. I mean, developing.
0: I think I kind of reverted back almost to a 15-year-old, 15-year-old emotionally when I stopped drinking. Uh, yeah. You know, and I really, uh, but I think I, I quit drinking at a point in my life where I was still young enough to... To um, to have not formed habits that weren't unbreakable, or, or not to be able to change things about me. So, yeah. so it meant that between, I mean, I'm 41 now. So between, I think between 35 and 41, um, I've my kind of learning has just been. It's been like it's been a steep, a really steep. Um, I've just I've just developed very very quickly. I've gone from being like a 15 year old yeah. uh, emotionally to suddenly learning a lot of things about me, learning about who I am. Uh, and in some cases, going back to the 15-year-old me and thinking, you know what, I really love sitting down and watching Star Wars or, you know. Um, Why not? Yeah. yeah, listening to the music. I listened to when I was 15 before drinking took over my life um, and going back there and actually rediscovering things that I always used to enjoy. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a it's a great um, journey of discovery as well, I think, once you come off the booze and and start to find exactly, out who exactly. you are again. You can
2: learn what, what you really like doing. And uh, I think for you, you know, here you are 40, think about the next 20 years. Imagine if you were still drinking and now you're not. Imagine what they would have been like if you were drinking because it would have got worse. You know, you would have been drinking more and more and more. And your life now is completely different. So, completely, you know, yeah, absolutely. a t- total transformation because we – uh we we picked up this thing that we use in, in our community sometimes because we pe- have, we have people coming along. Oh, I've got this problem, you know, I've got my drinking problem, and we say to them, "Well, actually, it's not a problem; it's an opportunity." <laughs> I love that because you know that. if you can yeah. if you can nail this thing, <laughs> then you can go on and and uh, your life will open up. You can discover so many other things to do with your time. So uh, I think it is an opportunity. It's back to the kind of pushing to the wall again and reinventing itself, isn't it so it really is i think um yeah, uh,
0: one uh, one thing i love about um, the soberpunks community is that it's always been very focused on n- rather than rather than missing what you can't have i.e. booze it's all focused on celebrating what you can now have that you couldn't have yeah it's all focused yeah. on look at these amazing things look at look at the fact that you can now have a really good relationship and you've now been able to buy a house and a lovely car because of the money that you have saved look at the friendships that you've made and look at the new hobbies that you've got and all of these things that that if you drink again will be taken away from you um and for me that this was one yeah, of the big yeah. reasons I struggled with AA because AA for me felt like um and I, and, I, and I do absolutely you know I don't want to speak ill of AA because I know it's worked for thousands and thousands of people for me it felt like it was about meeting regularly to talk about something that you couldn't have and it just felt to me like it was the wrong way around and instead I want to meet regularly and talk about all the things that we now do have that we couldn't have Uh, it's just that positive spin on it and for me that was the, the real key I think
2: yeah, I think you're absolutely right and the mindset thing is huge, you know, because when I think back to my decade of moderation, I was using willpower, you know, all the time. And there's there's been research into willpower now and it's been proven that willpower is like a finite resource, you know, it's like a muscle, it gets tired. And that's why it's very difficult to sustain sobriety on willpower alone. You have to change your mindset that you no longer see alcohol as something that is adding to your life, you know, you have to to see it for what it really is and really that's do. not easy because we have to see through all the marketing you know all the peer pressure there's there's so much around this to to make us drink to want to drink so we have to but once you see through it i mean i quite i quite have fun now on the tv when i'm watching everybody drinking i think oh there she is that so-called senior (laughs) partner in a law firm she's on her massive you know third glass of red wine and tomorrow she'll be in court you know being on top of her (laughs) game and you just start seeing through it and it's it's quite fun
0: and is there something um, Janet, um, is there something to be said about also the fact that it, it feels at this point in time like um, as a non-drinker who's discovered all the benefits of, of um, sobriety that you almost feel like a member of a very exclusive club that has kind of discovered how to enjoy life and in a way rather than being in, in some kind of minority because we are weird and misunderstood it's actually a a really exciting
2: minority Broken and damaged
0: (laughs) yeah somebody um an old colleague of mine from a couple of years ago told me that in ireland they call non-drinkers pioneers and i think that's fantastic i think that's fantastic i don't know if it i don't know what they they say pioneers but the very word pioneer fits so well for me because it means that you're forging forwards with something new and exciting doesn't it um so for me that that works really really well Part of the reason that Soberpunks was called Soberpunks was because punk really by definition is kind of an ethos, isn't it? It's all about going against the grain. It's about yeah. taking societal yeah. norms and doing it differently. And um, uh, and that's yeah. the, the the reason that I chose to to give it that name. It's about being part of this uh, group of people that do things a little bit differently, do things on your own terms. And if that means quitting drinking, then then it makes you punk as far as I'm concerned.
2: Me too. Yeah, I think yeah, I if we give up drinking, we're being rebellious, aren't we? You know, because everybody drinks these days. So exactly I that. say to people, you need to be a rebel, be a rebel, not a sheep.
0: Absolutely, I love that. Be a rebel. Because when
2: when I started drinking, yeah, when I was a teenager, you know, I thought, oh, it's very edgy, you know, with all my drinking. But um, really, it's got very tired these days, and everybody drinks. Do you get a feel that there is a bit of a, a movement? You know, I live in South Africa, but you know, know the U- UK well. And I, I hear that I think it was ages eighteen to twenty four. Only um, there were twenty five percent of those people don't drink anymore. Is it is it true? Are the young people cooling it a bit when it comes to alcohol? I think they
0: are. I mean, I, I've always thought that things happen in, in waves. So you know, you you um, my my parents were. We were drinkers, but never big drinkers. So I was never really around um, lots of drunkenness. Um, So it felt to me like I was rebelling by being a drinker. Um, Yeah, me too. uh, So so now I think, I I wonder if if there's a kind of an act of rebellion going on with uh, young people who have seen um, people of my generation Grow up, get really drunk, make bad decisions, get really red, unhealthy-looking faces, and build big bulbous noses. Yeah, and they've thought, you know what? <laughs> I don't want to do what my parents did, and, and end up all unhealthy. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna not drink, and and it may be then that, that they'll grow up healthy, and that their kids might actually be massive pissheads. Who knows? But I think that the way it's yeah. trending, I think it's trending towards non-drinking because as um, the years go by, a bit like smoking you overlay you overlay the cycle of rebellion with the fact that over time we are learning more about the dangers of alcohol so when exactly. we were young and made the decision to drink we were doing it purely for rebellious reasons whereas now you have to also yeah. consider the the uh, the health implications and it's much more better it's much more well understood now so I think over time, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. Yes, yes, I definitely see the, the kids out there that don't drink, and I think it's fantastic. You see kids now yeah. who are so focused on their health and being creative, and I, I absolutely love it um, to, to see that happening. And yeah, there, there will be there will be people who rebel against that, and their kids will rebel. But I think it will be nothing like to the extent that we saw. And, and over time, um, it will become like smoking. I, I, I think.
1: Every Saturday afternoon, we open up our Tribe Sober Zoom Cafe. It's a safe space where our members can connect, check in, and just shoot the breeze about alcohol-free living. If you'd like to be a guest at the cafe one Saturday, just drop us an email at janet at Tribesober.com. That's janet, J-A-N-E-T, at tribesober.com, and we'll send you an invitation.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, alcohol is yeah. going to have a, a cigarette moment because it, it's a coming out moment. in the public yes. domain now. Yeah, alcohol causes seven different types of cancer, 60 diseases, etc. I've had breast cancer. I'm sure it was related to my drinking. There's so many dangers and gradually it's getting out in the public domain. But uh, it's been known since, uh, what date was it, 19... 19- 98 that that alcohol is a carcinogen you know the world health organization put out a report but it was buried you know we, we just weren't having enough information just as we weren't with cigarettes i mean the turning point for cigarettes was that um they banned cigarette advertising and suddenly we could read in the newspaper that cigarettes cause lung cancer <laughs> we didn't even know before then you know i used to smoke in my 20s and we didn't know it was bad for you <laughs> yeah i mean i wonder <laughs> we think Oh my god, lung cancer!
0: I was out at the weekend with some friends in uh, in London, and one of them was smoking. and I, I noticed on their their packet this horrible picture of some uh, mangled yeah. body part through cancer. Um, and I do wonder if we'll get to the point where alcohol packaging also has these big warnings and has images that are designed to um, to, to show people the the, the the real dangers, just just the, the same way that, that has happened with smoking.
2: Yeah. Mm. Oh, I'd love to see it. But the liquor industry, you know, is so powerful because they have tried just to put uh, on, this is in the UK, on labels. I think how how many alcohol units a week you should have, you know, this about 14 units. And then how many units does this bottle represent? And apparently they, they have put it on some beers, but it's so tiny, you know, you can't even yeah. read it. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, there's always a big pushback, but but we'll get there one day. We will. But one thing that is really positive is is all these alcohol-free drinks. I mean, I think the alcohol-free beer is brilliant for the guys, isn't it? Because you can be there with your bottle and you don't get the same peer pressure, I don't think.
0: It's great, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, gone are the and, days when you have to sit in a pub drinking your fifth Diet Coke and you're absolutely buzzing off all the caffeine. Yeah, yeah and, and, and nowadays, yeah, you yeah. can have a beer. Again, when I was out, Uh, at the weekend in London that's what I did I was out with a group of people who were I think they were all drinkers um I had a beer at every place that we went but it was um it was alcohol-free beer and and it didn't look any different it it didn't it meant that you didn't stand out exactly um, as a non-drinker yeah Um, yeah it works really really well yeah I'm
2: big, a big fan of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the the market is exploding. I mean, even here in South Africa, we've got a an online shop that's got more than a hundred choices, alcohol-free drinks. They'll deliver wow. them to your door wherever you live in, in South Africa. So it's uh, it's really taking off. Because I stopped six years ago, and there was nothing. You know, I used to feel even more grumpy and sorry for <laughs> myself when I went out because <laughs> I could just have a coke, you know, yeah. water. And but now now there's some really delicious things. But I, I was never a beer drinker when I drank, but I actually drink the alcohol-free beer now because I, I like it better than, than alcohol-free wine, which I it's don't good, isn't quite it? got there yet. It's, it, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's all all exciting. Anything else you want to add? And then I want to hear how people can can find you. Uh, one thing I was kind of keen to talk about was the Soberpunks
0: gang, the online community, um, which we have kind of touched upon. Yeah, um, please. Uh, and, and the only reason I was kind of keen to to mention this was just um that for me although I've mentioned that I've never been a big fan of AA personally because it doesn't work for me you've all you've got this 12th step which I believe is all about um supporting other people and that makes you accountable so f- so for me I think a, a real key thing for anybody who's um keen to stop drinking and, and stay stopped I think it's important to get involved like you're doing with tribe sober you, you know make yourself accountable um go out there and support other people um because by supporting them it makes you accountable to them and once you're accountable to them that decision to start drinking again is going to affect a lot more people than just than just you you have to lead by example when you're supporting other people so so i just wanted to you know it's a it's a point that i'm really passionate about that i think part of recovery does involve getting out there and and leading by example but yeah um that you know that's a and for me the community does that the sober punks community does that uh, and, and people get to get to go out there and and be proud of their five six seven years sober and uh, and show the other people who are just on day one how it's done, and support them through it, which I think is fantastic. Awesome.
2: So it's a private Facebook group, yeah? Yes. You just request gang. to join. Request. There are a couple of questions.
0: I think the okay. first question the first question is, um, are you interested in getting sober, or, or are you sober? Um, the second question is, are you fine with toilet humor? Because um, you've read my blog, and I know that it's... <laughs> there's a lot of swearing in there and a lot of uh, uh, there's some quite rude jokes and whatever in there so so that is a fundamental part of the way that the, the, the gang operates as well it's about it's about having a laugh as well so and we've had people in the past yeah, who've joined yeah. and been a little bit offended so now we just have a bit of a warning on there when you join but if you join if you send a request yeah. I'll, I'll let yeah. you in oh
2: good 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 <laughs> no it sounds fun because you know I also went to AA but I, I couldn't cope I just found it depressing you know and, uh, and, and it, it's not depressing sobriety we say sobriety is a superpower, you know. It's nothing to be depressed about. It's it really an opportunity is. to change your life for the better. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it really is. And your blog, if people want to read your blog.
0: So uh, soberpunks, yeah. It's um so soberpunks.co.uk. You know, just go Google soberpunks, you, you'll you'll find it easily. Yeah, and it's still up there, and it and it always will be. um I'm I've, I've actually at the moment, for the first time in two years, I'm writing a new blog, which I'll be posting soon as well. So, and and that's actually all based on dealing with divorce. Um, whilst remaining sober yeah it felt like it was too big a topic not to cover really because i know that there are so many people out there who yeah. who have had to deal with these types of um, traumatic experiences yeah. whilst trying to stay sober so um yeah that's um that's in the works at the moment and that'll be published probably in the next few weeks yeah
2: thank you john i really enjoyed that conversation so let's pick up a few highlights like many of us, John spent a decade trying to cut down, using those tried and tested rules that of course are useless once our drinking has crossed that line into dependence. Let's face it, people who can moderate just do it. They don't need to impose any rules. We both agreed that accepting that we cannot drink any alcohol at all is a key moment on our journey. If you can't have one, have none. Or, as AA say, one glass is too many and a thousand isn't enough. How true. John drank as a teenager and found that he quickly became the one urging the rest of his mates to drink more and more. We discussed the fact that for some of us the buzz of alcohol is more intense than others. And that's one of the reasons we get hooked when other people seem to be able to take it or leave it. It was actually love that gave John the impetus he needed to give up drinking. He met a woman who loved him but hated the person he became when he drank. She made it pretty clear she would not be sticking around if he continued to drink. So he stopped, and they got married. What I really love about John's story is that he gave up drinking to please his partner, but after a few months of sobriety, he realized that his life was so much better without the booze that he was motivated to continue for his own sake. Many of us give up drinking to save our relationships and our health, but not many of us are expecting sobriety to be much fun. I, for one, was expecting it to be a grey and boring place, but in fact it's turned out to be just the opposite for both John and myself. So if you're listening to this and you know you need to ditch the booze, just try it for six months. You'll be amazed at the improvements in your life and the chances are that you'll want to stay alcohol free. If you're not quite sure how to get started on the journey, then just go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe and we'll get you there. John eventually got divorced from the lady who convinced him to stop drinking but by then he was hooked on his sobriety and had absolutely no intention of restarting his drinking career. As he put it, it would only have made a horrible situation worse. That got me thinking about our last Zoom cafe. Several of our members have been through a really tough time recently. Three of them have lost a parent and they all said, I'm so grateful to be sober. I've got the strength to cope so much better. I found that really interesting, as I remember feeling relatively secure in my sobriety after about six months, but often wondering how I would cope if something really dreadful happened. So it's lovely to hear that Lucy, Merlene and Lexi were not even tempted. Well done, ladies. Just because we get sober doesn't mean that our life is going to be sunshine and roses. What it does mean is that we'll be stronger and more able to cope with what life throws at us. John and I agreed that being present for the tough times is key to our emotional development. I remember listening to a podcast with Glennon Doyle where she describes alcohol as the easy button and we use it to bypass the pain, but we're also bypassing the opportunity to become stronger. And as we become more present in our lives, we recognize the importance of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Just sitting with our thoughts is part of the healing process and can be cathartic. We talked about dealing with partners who drink too much and agreed that people have to want to do it for themselves rather than for anyone else. And although John had in fact given up for his girlfriend, he had been struggling with alcohol for a long time and he was actually pleased and relieved to get a concrete reason to make the change. He did say that sometimes the partner just has to decide that in order to protect themselves, they will just have to walk away, which can be really hard but may avoid years of pain. I asked John to list his benefits of sobriety and he had plenty he talked about weight loss and having more energy. Stop drinking and start running was his advice. Reduction in anxiety. John used to have such a feeling of dread on his way into work that he was wishing his train would crash. Since he's been sober, he's enjoying his work again and is busy fulfilling his career potential. That made me think of one of my previous podcast guests, Ken Middleton, episode 23, I think. He said, even if alcohol doesn't destroy you, it will prevent you from reaching your potential. That is so true. John feels that sobriety is a journey of self-discovery and he's learning so much more about who he is and what he really likes to do. And we talked about the joys of a sober community, about how we immediately understand each other and can have such fun together we agreed that ex-drinkers have usually been through a lot and they've proved themselves to be strong and resilient. Yes, ex-drinkers rock, that's for sure. John is passionate about the fact that those of us in recovery must support others as part of our own recovery. And that's exactly what he is doing via his blogs and his Facebook group and, of course, what I'm doing via Tribe Sober. So if you want to join a community, please check out tribesober.com and also take a look at the Soberpunk Gang Facebook group. You can find John's blog on Soberpunks Co-UK. Sobriety is a superpower, so let's get the word out there. Let's get this sober party started. As usual, I'm just opening my phone and going to read the first member slap message that inspires me. I picked this one because it made me think of John's story. Somebody had posted a meme which said, you have to be willing to sacrifice the habits, things and situations that are standing in the way of your success. So that meme was followed by this message from Michelle. Morning all, I checked my tracker this morning. 153 days, five months and three days. I'm actually amazed that I got this far. I can so relate to the sacrificing things scares people sentence. And that's what kept me stuck. Somewhere along the road, I realized that the gains are so much more significant than the sacrifices. So well done, Michelle. And yes, I agree. You win so much more than you lose on this journey. So if you'd like to join our community, just go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe. You can DM me personally via Tribesober Instagram, or you can hit the big yellow telephone on tribesober.com to book a discovery call to find out more about our membership and the workshops. So that's it from me. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us and we'd be so grateful if you would leave a review. I'll be back next week.
1: Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard. It takes courage and grit and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain. And we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards. And that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.